everybody, and welcome back to the DMs Book Club, your favorite place for random ramblings about anything, as long as it's to do with D&D, because we really don't talk about anything else, because like you, we have a very limited scope on what the world is and what we know about it, and that's just fine. Yes. I, I'm Ryan. I still don't know anybody else other than Fiona, who's oh. also here. <laughs> We we live in a very small bucket. We talk about DMD. Actually, no, to be fair, you do lots of improv. I'm I'm the, the small-minded one in all of this. But I mean, you say that you've got people in your house currently, so you definitely do have friends. I well, I hope they're friends. I hope they're friends. Yeah. Oh, I got no. I woke up this morning and they were just there and they were talking about squatting or something. And I was like, oh, I'm oh, no. sure it's fine. <laughs> sure it's fine. We have a dog in the house at the moment and it's wonderful. Mm. We don't own a dog, but the dog is great. And now I really want a dog and I may steal the dog. It depends I, on whether or not the dog can be hidden. Obviously, I, I am a co-owner of a cat that I don't accept as my own. And recently my partner has decided what would be hilarious, because obviously he he's found all this stuff online, which is like, oh, you know, your fur child or your fur baby. Oh, God. I, I know. Obviously we phone every day and they'd be like, oh, come, fancy Alice, let's talk to mother. And I'm like, don't you even fucking do that. That is the yeah. worst thing in the world. No, <laughs> it's like that, oh. I have to say, I fully approve of that because I can see you squirming, even talking about it. And anything that just sort of annoys you like that is just perfect. But oh, oh my that. word, that is... <laughs> Oh, a third baby. Oh, no, no, no. That is a great example of something yes. we'll be talking about today. Sure. But, <laughs> what are we talking about today? So we are going to talk about environmental hazards, aka supernatural regions. Or now we have babies. Yeah, no, no, that is not a supernatural reason. <laughs> ah, right, that's off topic. I think. So yes, so we are. Um, we've talked about environmental hazards before. We we'll go back to my favourite book of the moment, Tasha's Cold and Revenue. Well, I technically say it's my second favourite book at the moment because I do have Ooh. the new Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, which Ryan is currently not reading because we obviously are nope. doing our Curse of Strad campaign. Um, all I'll say is that when we do come to it, it is very good. Um, I actually went into work on Friday briefly and I use I finally used my commuting time to actually read. And my God, it was possibly the best time of reading I've had in ages. I don't read normally, like only for this and like bits and pieces, but so having that chunk of dedicated time where I couldn't do anything but read mm. was really worth it. But that's beside the point. Tash is obviously my second favorite book. And We've talked about environmental hazards before, this idea that it's not the players or the big bad that is the threat, it is everything else. It is the outside, mm. it is that sort of thing. So we talked about storms, we've talked about, uh, I think, primordial fruit, all these sort of things that are landscape-esque. But what about if the actual land itself, this region that you are traversing through or your where your campaign is, has some sort of effect? So yeah, we're going to look at supernatural regions, which is, if I look at my notes, page 150 to 163. And yeah, we're just going to look at these lands and these uh, seven different lands, seven types of sort of changes to the land as a result. Mm. And because it's a Fiona chapter and you just can't help yourself, yeah. this is a table heavy chapter. So <sighs> get that D hundred out because Oh you're really? It. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think. <laughs> I like the fact that I'm sure you're the same, Brian. Within reach, I have access to probably seven different dice sets. So it was very easy for me just oh, to go, God. I'll grab that. <laughs> I have a real problem. I really have a real problem. So I have multiple sets of them at the high rollers metal dice, which yep. I love to do anytime we're recording anything because the clang of the, of the metal on the table, not only does it leave beautiful dents in my table as everything's destroyed, but it also sounds really, really good. But I did mm. that thing, um, you know, when you go onto any large forest or jungle named 
shopping providers online oh, yes. uh-huh. um, and you look at dice sets and you can get like a hundred dice in seven different colors and they're like whatever I ended up getting the same one twice just <gasps> so I could have more dice oh. in, in a single color so I've now got like in red for instance I've got like four d20s 46s and it's like if I pick a color of the moment I'm like right I can I can do things in, in oh. colors well, when we used to, when we used to play in person, I had I think six different sets, and I choose three colours that I was feeling that. <laughs> yeah, I've sort of mentioned it's um, Curse of Strahd and stuff. It was all on D and D Beyond, so obviously it's like, oh, we well, could also just roll the dice on there, and everyone could see it. And I was like, oh, but I've got so many dice that I need mm-hmm. to roll. So yeah, I'm always a, a physical dice person. That 100%. that is an interesting. Uh, sorry, this is total tangent off environmental. Perfect, because we've got too many tables to talk about. So yeah, no, no, this is fun. as a DM, that's always a really interesting one. You know, there's that idea of fudging rolls, right? Mm. So it's all about a DM trying to stick as much as they can to genuine dice rolls. You've got to swing with the punches. Sometimes stuff will happen really badly and sometimes stuff will happen really good. Mm. And sometimes your notes will have no effect on what actually happens because the party will go totally off tangent. And genuinely speaking, it is so good to actually just roll with the punches and don't fudge your rolls at all. Just Mm. be honest and go with it. Because if you start fudging rolls, it's a very slippery slope and you're like, I really wanted the party to do this particular thing. So I'm just going to mm. push them towards it. And before you know it, they feel like they have no influence on the campaign and it feels like everything's forced and blah, 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 blah. But the, so we've been playing Curse of Strahd with the with D&D Beyond and public dice rolls, which is a really yeah. cool thing because we obviously do that around a table in person. You roll a dice and everyone can see it. It's not... Mm-hmm. It's not a secret thing, but it's whether or not the DM should do it as well. Mm. Because on the one hand, it's really good to see the DM isn't lying. And you're like, here is all the stuff. And Mm. there's a moment where you're like, bloody hell, 66. Oh my God, that's horrifying. Mm. But at the other side, it's like, how much privacy does the DM need to retain? Do you need to... I don't know what you think about this. Like if you're Mm. fighting a powerful monster and the monster's got plus nine to hit, is that a good thing that the party knows it? like showing a d20 plus nine roll and they can see it and go bloody hell this thing hits hard in the sense that it's a good way of describing things if, if you were describing a fight with a really powerful enemy you can mm. see the fact that they're really accurate they're really strong like it's 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 apparent in how they're fighting mm. or it's about a mechanical stat that you don't want them to know about and it's actually a behind the the, the glass you know mm. thing i don't know if, if, which way you swing on that that's it's really interesting because I, I will say like i don't dm D that often and a lot of the games I haven't, if they're dice rolls, the dice rolls are for damage or they're they're not, it's I'm mostly just sort of talking with tokens and stuff like that. So I'm just trying to think when we were in person, like would how often did you roll like damage outside of your screen? So obviously you had your screen and you'd roll your dice swing, and we obviously never would look. I think once or twice you're like, I have so much dice, I'm gonna roll them out in front. I think it was only very rarely you did that. And I didn't mind damage-wise, because that, that was exciting, because it's like, mm. wow, this is gonna hit hard. I guess as a player. I like being immersed in the story more. Mm. So if I know it's going to hit hard, I prefer that rather than these numbers. It's a bit, um, it's like the Borderland issue. When it first came out, when Borderlands, the video game came out, it had the numbers of what you were hitting on the creature and people slated it because they hated that. But then people started to enjoy it because then they could see, oh, it is going down. We are hitting it at a certain point, et cetera. And so uh, they sort of switched over to that. So I think now... I guess it depends. Like I, I've always seen it as a storytelling game and the mechanics help are helpful. Um, and combat I know is always video game orientated anyway. So, yeah. but I try, I try and do it. I try and do it less if I can. I don't try not yeah. to say, Oh, it's a plus 12 to pick unless it's like, I think the only time 
because then you can work it out, can't you? So, for example, like AC, that's the big one. Who say, oh, you mm-hmm. just hit, or oh, you needed to get a 14 or something like that. Those little bits of information dotted throughout the, the combat where, it's, where it matters, I guess, that's that's good for the players because then they can work out and talk about it themselves. And it's exciting from that point. But if you lay mm-hmm. it all out, the mystery kind of goes. It's a bit like, oh, you need to get a DC 10 to unlock the door. And unless, I guess it depends if you're doing an online game as well. So if you want to keep it going and the momentum rather than back and forth, I guess. So yeah. especially if you've, got, if you've got lots of people as well and they need to make a saving process. If you make if you get 15 or more, you've saved against this. It just makes yeah. it easier for people to go yes, no, instead of numbers. So Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I see it as a, I try and use it as a storytelling device or yeah. a descriptive device, effectively. If you want to show that something is supposed to be awe-inspiring, then yes, yeah. you wouldn't roll the dice and in front of people um but as i said there's too much information is is a thing sorry this is a total distraction no. what is environmental hazard so <laughs> supernatural regions i think the mm. thing to say about this is where we've spoken before about items of significance um wells and sort of moats of, of, of disturbance this is regional right this mm. is on large scale blocks of the map so as a dm if you're making an area or a map or, or a kingdom and you want to be able to give effects to large chunks of space that maybe you don't have much of an idea as to what you can do this is fantastic right this is mm. a really good way of sort of giving description and a bit of randomness to things the big line at the top is like not all lands thrive as nature intended. So this idea, like Mother Nature, it, it has a way. The time goes on, the year goes round. You have the seasons, etc. But these massive events can alter the, the area's destiny. I love the idea that a, a region of land has a destiny, because like, mm. obviously to me it is just the backdrop. Or like uh, if you've ever read any sort of Thomas Hardy, Thomas Hardy, that's it, um, where basically it's all set in this big heath. And there's a huge chapter at the beginning of one of his books, uh, The Return of the Native, where it's just like the heath. The heath is big. It's big. If it was dark, you can't tell the sky from the heath. It's that big and it's that black and dark. And, and it's like, okay, so it has a character of some sort. So actually imbuing the land that you are in as a character, almost like sort of a background sort of thing, but has a destiny, has an innate characteristic. I thought it was actually mm. really smart and it makes sense from a storytelling perspective that you wake up after a long rest and the storm has passed but something is around you is different so i just thought that was a great line and yeah as you said it could be as large or small as you want so it could be just extend to a small hamlet or even i guess even a house really uh to as big as a big kingdom like i said it reinforces this underlying theme it's like a an interest to a specific area or a location it occurs Either where you're traversing through it or certain triggers happen, which what happens in all of these. So there's there's seven different regions we'll quickly sort of talk about. They've got examples for triggers that could happen. And then you roll, uh, whenever these triggers happen, you roll on the D100 table and Mm. this effect happens. And interestingly, with all these different effects, some of them are very specific. They will always happen, I'd say, as a DM. But it might be like, oh, that's really weird. That sort of come up. So I'm wondering that maybe at times you might want to just choose one that's suitable mm. to the situation you're in. But we'll come to yeah. that, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I think the other thing you can almost cross-reference this with a little bit is you could use these tables, and especially some of them suit really well, to describe um, some of the outer planes or other planes of existence. Mm. So. Uh, if you're doing it, I'm thinking one of the big modules that came out was Vernus, obviously, and there's a whole campaign to talk about the hells and, and what to do with them. But mm-hmm. a lot of other planes, like Mount Celestia being a good example, aren't given too much of a description over the, like a page in the DM's guide. And say you wanted to have a, a whole campaign there, 
you could use these environmental, these regional effects to actually give an understanding of the entire plane and how it works. So mm. it's a very good way of expanding into that. So give us an example. Where are we starting? Well, as you've just very nicely uh, talked about the upper planes and Mount Celestia, let's talk with Blessed Radiance. The grace of the upper planes touches this region. That is it. The one mm-hmm. sentence in this whole book. And it, I actually, it's a very interesting thing that you talked about Avernus there, because we've talked about this before, about the nine hells. There is so much on you know, the, the different layers of hell. We've talked about um, the demon lords as well, and all these sort of planes of chaos, etc. And yet there is so little on the the good planes and we talked about this before because why would you go to a good plane because conflict is i guess maybe is inherent to dnd campaigns or like mm. you're likely to fight the bad and go to the bad places to fight it rather than going to the good places to sort things out so literally there is only one line of talking about what blessed radiance is but i mean it's it is what it is so when you go into a place that has been touched by this blessed radiance the triggers that will activate i guess these effects you can include like Succeeding on a saving throw, uh, compelled by the abilities of a fiend or an undead, uh, you are a target. Uh, there is a target of a cleric or paladin spell of a great, of a third level or higher. A critical hit against a fiend or undead, or experience an epiphany or inspiring triumph in the services of righteousness or in defiance of wickedness. I think this is an interesting thing. Is that if you've got to the point where devils and fiends have infiltrated the upper planes, that's pretty bad. So it's. A lot of these effects, which I'm sure we'll talk about, are related to combat against the undead or against evil. Like, you know, mm. if, like, for example, like aberrations, fiends, and the undead in the region give off a crimson glow for a minute. The creatures shed dim light within ten foot, uh, ten foot radius, and attacks against them have advantage. So, I guess if you're all playing, I don't know, fiendish type characters, then you'll be spotted for it. So it's just it's a very interesting idea. It's like a lot of these things are against undead or fiends mm-hmm. that, which i totally understand but the likelihood that they're going to be in this place and then even this place in general has such a limited descriptions i don't know if it works so i out of all of them it's interesting that it's the first up i guess in alphabetical order i think it's the weakest one and possibly the least interesting one yeah you you can easily tweak a lot of these things i think as a dm to just where it says undead say anyone not of good alignment or whatever or, yeah. i mean the various sort of tweaks to this and as I say, if you think about Blessed Radiance more as an effect on like an upper plane, for instance, you could make it make a bit more sense as to everything. But you're right. There is a juxtaposition between undead and then holy ground. Why would undead be on holy ground? Mm. Maybe that's a good, you could have this where the Blessed Radiance was actually the effects of a cathedral or sanctified ground and a lich is leading an undead raid on it. Mm. That could be something just to throw in, just to give the party a little bit more yeah. of an interest on it, for instance. Or maybe even you could use these rules very well in an anti-hero campaign. If you were playing evil characters and say the good guys were the bad guys for you. So that is you know, something you can you can do but mm. i mean some of these i yeah as you say are, are really really cool i like the idea of a flying gleaming sword appearing oh yes um, striking down people uh randomly people getting blessed permanently gaining resistance and necrotic damage was a good yes. one yes but, uh, yeah i did see that that's yeah 90 91 to 95 and it says re-roll if you've already rolled this effect because obviously at times you might get it several times but yeah i thought that one and then 
there's one of these in every single um, region, I think, but the, you gain the ability to use divine intervention as a cleric feature, which succeeds automatically, but you must use it yeah. in seven days. Yeah, that's <laughs> a sense of, like, have a three wish. Why not? What could mm-hmm. go wrong? Out of all of them, like I said, a lot of it is either combat oriented against, against evil, or you hear... Like what I've written down, I, I you hear whispers from celestial beings or refrains of celestial choirs. God, that must be annoying. <laughs> like yeah. and just having like the incessant sort of god whispers all, and there's like stuff where an angelic voice rings out in the region, and each creature must succeed on a, a DC 15 wisdom saving throw or perform the grovel option of the command spell. Imagine that going off in a fight, or if you're just mm. taking a long rest and some like a loud noise happens, which is one of the more general. Um, thing happening and you're like oh well I guess we're all gonna grovel for a little bit <laughs> like mm-hmm. so yeah I, I think with all this like it is just checking with I think like I said I do find this the least interesting but maybe that's because like I said being good is like ah, oh, it's fine it's, it's like calling someone as fine it, they just don't appear on your radar so I guess what, maybe what the- you're trying to say is yes. that you have a real problem with good as a concept and no <laughs> don't say so that's fine that's fine Pete. okay why don't you talk about something a little bit more suited to your way of thinking, right? Let's really? let's let's perhaps go into the into the realms of Cthulhu. What's yeah. That? What have you got for us now? Right. Okay. So the far realm, as it's called, I love it. So the idea is that once you've passed on, your souls either dwell on the astral plane as spirits, or they're pulled to one of the outer planes to be reincarnated. Which actually I didn't realize was was a thing in uh, certainly in the Forgotten Realms. This idea that you know you your souls are there. We we've done it before in our obviously our campaign, but it's sort of never sort of discussed per se but i love this this line of saying some find ways to travel to travel beyond this and they transform over eons into abominations or elder evils and mm. i will say though there is a picture uh, of the far realm sort of incursion and there's bloody nautiloids my my weakness god i love a nautiloid it's your favorite and you love it so, look they look so stupid like i can't <laughs> they look like fish in the sky like <laughs> little, little flying slugs what's wrong with them oh rubbish they, anyway so the point is that <laughs> these places are clearly like evil or twisted into alien shapes by these eldritch forces that we are they are unknowable they are to look at them is to is to lose your mind because you're overwhelmed by something that you just cannot process and i think that is incredible and it then talks about Obviously, going to these places is probably not a good idea. But the idea that there are tears in time or in the fabric is very thin between the material plane and this plane. So these subtle influences uh, eke out onto places of area. So, and that to me makes sense. Like the idea, like, you know, how would you sort of influence these regions so compared to Blessed Radiance, which is just says, oh, it's been touched. Uh, don't worry about it. Like that one sentence, there's like for here, there's, and for all these other ones, there's at least a paragraph detailing or giving like little story hooks and stuff like that, which I quite like. But yeah, in terms of triggers, the very first one actually is a really interesting one. It's very specific. Uh, so an effect goes off if a warlock with the otherworldly patron feature, which happens to be a great old one, rolls a one or a 20 on a, an ability check, attack, or saving throw. So that's a very set of specific circumstances, which actually does make sense for any Call of Cthulhu. If you've read any sort of Lovecraft, there's always like rituals and things have to be perfect. The moons have to be in alignment. Uh, you have to be in the right place at the right time. So if you wanted to be like that and it just so happens that, oh, you've got someone in the party with this with this specific feature, they've gone there for some sort of quest to fulfill stuff, then that makes sense. 
you also have long or short rest. And again, another big staple of Call of Cthulhu is that when you rest, things start happening because you're taking watches, say, in the middle of a forest. Things aren't right. There's no wildlife. You see a green flare in the sky, or did you? All that sort Mm. of thing. So all stuff like that. And then, of course, again, another classic trope. uh, You spend more than an hour reading an Eldritch tome written by those who have interacted with the Far Realm. Like, Mm -hmm. you're reading reading one of those uh, Eldritch dictionaries or thesauruses. There's always a Christmas present on your list that you're a bit like, "Eh, I didn't know if I wanted this book, but I'll give it a read. And before you know it, you're spouting Far Realm nonsense and, you know, your head's turned backwards. You've got tentacles for arms. It happens. It's just one of those things. And some, I have to say, some of the the effects that can get sort of, yeah, you know, they go from the bizarre to the even more bizarre. Uh, yes. It just, I like some of it. Like, so there's just one that just says distance no longer functions in a comprehensible yes. manner, oh. which I think is really weird. Like, just your eyes don't focus, and and just things stop quicker than they should, and and attack rolls with disadvantage if they're ranged weapons, and mm-hmm. just things like that. But I mean, any anything jumps out for you? Oh, I, a thousand percent. Uh, circular things like buttons, crystal balls, and the sun seem apparently wrong. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and this also it says, uh, yeah, you make a intelligence saving throw or spend your turn loudly trying to destroy these, these objects. So try and destroy the sun. Like, you know, like, damn you, like old man shouts out clouds. You know, I, I actually, because it brought back a memory as it always is, circular things like buttons. I used to really hate buttons as a kid. Like just the feel of them and the sort of the tactile nature of them, and I I used to really freak out, especially wooden buttons. I just was like, who would wear a wooden button on a shirt? It just made me, it just felt wrong. So I I definitely felt that sort of connection whilst reading this, but mm. but similar to the distance one you've got, can't leave the region and find themselves covering the same ground over and over again. Very Blair Witch mm. Project, getting lost in the forest. Mm. I did like that that distance one as well. It's one of those ones which is easier to describe but hard to comprehend, and that's what mm. this realm is all about in general this like you say them but everyone has a different perception of what it looks like and so no one perception is is what the dm has is, has in their mind so mm-hmm. yeah um, and then of course there are a couple of effects that do create random eyes or random tentacles and places so it's it's very cthulhu in, in, in how it's sort of dealt with mm-hmm. it's horrifying it's it's honestly horrifying i don't know why anyone would ever want to put anything like that in their campaigns i hate cthulhu i hate lovecraft it's still too scary for me oh, so. that, well, maybe don't come on tuesday then <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah it, it, it is definitely like like stuff like there's the first one i'll quickly say i think the first one is my favorite one where it says a structure in the region whispers to you faintly and you were just drawn there and there's no explanation of what the structure is or anything like that but the idea of being drawn somewhere and then staying there it's terrifying because it's not 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 a monster not anything that you were just charmed by it and you have you know you repeat the saving throw every hour and then ending it on a success and that you're just in this place and you can't leave just mm. oh, love it yeah, love it yeah. So if we wanted to keep the horror theme, but we wanted to take it more in a supernatural way rather than an eldritch way, mm-hmm. we, we also have haunted is a yes. thing, which I, again, I quite like this is a haunt and, and, and horror generally in D&D is, is not necessarily given too much explanation, but this is a really good set of rules, I think. Mm, yeah, so Haunted, here it talks about houses being burdened by dark deeds, you know, sites of massive killings, and locations where people died whilst experiencing powerful fear, sorrow, or hatred, or any of those combinations. <laughs> or all. Or all. Why not all, yeah. Why not all? Um, 
there's this big again I know I'm picking out lines here but echoes of the past and that's one thing I absolutely love watching I'm a big massive horror fan in terms of like I love story I love intrigue and realizing you know that people are in danger or mild peril because they are in places uh the thing of echoes of the past which really reminds me of is oh I can't remember it off the top of my head now but the, the there's a film with Nicole Kidman um who's trapped in the house with the two children oh god that is um the others or something is it? yeah the others I think I think that's what it is um something like that and there's a bit really short bit actually where there's this fog everywhere and obviously she gets you know tries to leave the house can't leave the house but then her husband who's played by christopher eccleston appears for half an hour and says two lines (laughs) and Mm -hmm, it's great mm -hmm. but yeah that idea that these these things are constantly uh because there's no maybe not solving them that we talk about I guess in in modern literature and modern films, we talk about we're going to solve them, we're going to cleanse the area. But something like this, it talks about it, it just constantly repeats itself because there is no solving it. Because at the time, these these emotions, these things were so powerful. The line is, few places are meaninglessly haunted. It's not Mm -hmm. haunted for the sake of haunting. So when you're in these sort of regions, whether it is a house or like abandoned places, so I'm thinking, you know, like uh, seed factories or industrial places that your characters might go to, there must be a reason why no one's gone there, why people keep out, you know, people go missing in it. Why is that? You know, and just building that into the scenario before you run it rather than going, oh, there's a ghost, you know, like because it loses all scare factor, I guess. Yeah. I like the idea that you could create a haunted area with retaliation to the actions that players have made um <gasps> yes. you know what i mean like in, in the scene of some big battle where they they killed a lot of like enemies or npcs or mm. busted a crime ring that that place becomes haunted afterwards mm. and then they have to go back like several layer like levels later and deal with the same enemies but with extra powers and all of these effects and stuff mm. like that i could see that being quite cool well i think i can't remember which episode we talked about it it's a similar thing i think it was like the the supernatural hazards and stuff the on the other side of it but we talked about whether you do something in one campaign and then for the following campaign, you're dealing with the actions of it. So the great big battles where you had those feelings of emotion, that was it, where you were like, suddenly you're filled with this like glory and you're rushing ahead and stuff like that and not being quiet because mm. these 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 emotions are filling you, like um, emotional spaces, I guess. But yeah, mm, absolutely yeah. love it. Any of these effects jump at you? I mean, I one thing that got me, and I yeah. saw this one, was over the next 24 hours, whenever any creature is wounded, its blood or similar fluid, let's be fair, spreads to form a short message or grisly tableau. Now, that is amazing. Every time you deal damage, you start like, maybe just like a Shakespeare's sonnet just starts appearing in the blood on the floor, or just something really random, or just the, the lyrics to Baby Shark. Oh my god! Yeah, of every strike. Um, anything jump at you? I, I've got, now I'm just thinking like you forgot the milk or something stupid like that. Yeah. Um, my favorite one, which again it depends on how people find this, but you know after you take a, a, a short or long rest, you reappear a foot below where you were sleeping. So oh, if you're sleeping yeah. on the ground, you're under the ground, or you're under floorboards. And that was the thing. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah. So anything like that, because again, you, you obviously you have to be fought to get out and stuff like that. I thought that was great. Uh, Avatar of Death. Oh, I love that okay. idea. Like yeah. having, uh, yeah, just something, where is it? Um, a coffin or small enclosed space that in the region, perhaps an antique box or a stone cairn or et cetera. When you, when you open it the first time, roll the dice, even mm-hmm. number, you receive a terrible vision and is frightened of all creatures for the t- next 24 hours, which is pretty, pretty bad. Uh, mm-hmm. You roll an odd number, an avatar of death appears and attacks as though summoned by the skull card from the deck of many things. Mm-hmm. And 
that's pretty bad it is mm. pretty pretty yeah those, scary. those creatures are horrible and they level up with you and they're very very nasty exactly um the other one i'll just quickly mention is shadows acting out of sync so you can see uh, your shadow isn't quite nice so proper um silence in the library from doctor who uh, you might have two shadows or something like that and you can see it trying to dramatically choke or murder another shadow <laughs> which oh yep. Yeah, so yeah, all, all these things are, are great. And, and just to quickly talk about it, the, the triggers, uh, you know, you gain the frightened conditions. Multiple creatures can't see for whatever reason. I like that. Whether you're alone, that's also terrifying. Uh, mm-hmm. Midnight or an ominous hour arrives or a ghost or other creature menaces the party. So you have lots of the little, again, stereotypical haunting type things where you're like, I'm, we'll go split the party and it's pretty dark and it's midnight. All these things yep. are going to happen. So, yep. yeah. Yeah, so a lot of roles on this table, but I like that. But in a haunted sort of mansion, that's exactly what you want to see. The next one yes. is, is just off-putting for all kinds of other reasons. But do you want to describe just this image? Oh, the image is terrifying. So if you could imagine like walking down like a high street of some sort, you've got like your thatch roofs. Again, this is proper, typical. I'm thinking Stratford-upon-Avon type thing. Um <laughs> covered it's, it's, it's dark as well and the moon sort of uh from uh, just peeking around like a tower you see webs but they're just everywhere like uptight buildings you can see cocoons going down one alley and of course creatures big spiders you're not sure they just have glowing eyes and they're on all the buildings and that mm-hmm. is an example of an infested region Oh, yes, I love it. I love it. This is so different to um, obviously a, a ghostly region. And something we were talking about recently, actually, in our, our WhatsApp group is like, we've all played to an extent uh, Grounded, which is this, um, basically it's Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And you are, you know, it's a, like a Minecraft type game. You're sort of building stuff, but you're fighting off enemies. And you have the tiny little ants who are your friends, your little uh, mites that get you. But the spiders are massive. And they are terrifying. They shriek at you. They you, you're running away from these horrible things. Like we, myself and and Sam, we play it quite a lot. And there's many. You can just see probably my my character's name in the in the background running away. You're like, what's that? Oh God! Because this huge spider is following you. And that's oh, the yeah, idea. That's that, horrifying. Oh, having these essentially, it talks about having like a biomass of insects and how they sort of come together like a swarm or whatever, or some sort of mutation, so that the you either have a swarm of creatures that overtake everything, like constantly eating or constantly manipulating uh, the region in some way, or you have big fuck off spiders like uh eight-legged freaks sort of style film mm. oh god now that was a <laughs> that was a film <laughs> it, you know what i, I uh, the, the weird fact i have about that film so they originally were like oh yeah we're gonna use like just superimpose big tarantulas you know blah, blah, blah. turns out when they're blown up to big sizes they just look like fluffy uh cuddly toys so they they actually had to cgi create these you know spiders that didn't look like tarantulas <laughs> oh my word that is that's, that's horrifying my, my random fact about that film is that they were going to call it arachnophobia oh, but really? the war with iraq was happening at the time oh. and they thought that that wouldn't actually it wouldn't be a great name so they called it eight-legged freaks what a, what a weird what a weird thing <laughs> <laughs> oh. there you go i mean yeah as i say like there is a lot of effects here that involve the creation of large swarms of bugs that either smell like poo and poison you or bite you and poison you or turn you into things that can poison mm-hmm. uh, it, it is a lot of there's a lot of nasty stuff here and the idea of even spending more than about two minutes in an infested area is just absolutely 
terrifying like oh mm. i mean the, the pictures if you're not if you're not good with insects then yeah looking at like an eight foot spider on top of a, of a house is is not the best image really yeah absolutely and it, again it, the idea of like you coming to a village which is deserted but has webs cocoons hives or even anthills and and maybe an elaborate tunnel set you know you're going into a dungeon and it's like oh these tunnels have changed slightly it's more like a warren like or or something like that you know you're in trouble and i, I like that just as a again a different way so it's not necessarily i mean obviously all these regions could apply to stuff but the idea that it's in a town or or something is just uh Amazing. I really like that. So yeah, uh, in terms of triggers, um, you know, the obvious one, disturbing webs, cocoons, you know, you just happen to twang a, a, a web and you're like, well, you're now all done for. Um, attacking a, an insect swarm or a smaller or larger insect, such as a giant centipede, which is a horrific, horrific idea. I didn't even consider that. And obviously short or long resting in this region's because why would you want to do that? That sounds like the worst idea. Yeah, in I'm the just going to actually try and sleep amongst the web. What what could go wrong? What, <laughs> what could, could go, go wrong? Absolutely. Yeah, oh, and then we've, I mean that that one is horrifying. Yeah. But we've got we've got a couple of mostly supernatural ideas here, and mm. the, the next one, I just the imagery, I, I absolutely love the pictures of it, and I love I love just everything about that sort of aspect of it. But this describes itself as the mirror zone. Which I just can't help say that in my head, like danger zone. (laughs) (laughs) Mirror zone. (laughs) Exactly. The mirror zone. What's going on with the mirror zone? How would we how would we describe this? Uh, the mirror zone, or as I like to say, the twilight zone. Essentially, um, it's like this way where uh, it talks about where planar and magical energies converge and they create a place of reflections. You know, creatures, objects, energies reflect, reflect, duplicate and transport elsewhere. And there's unexpected results from doing that. This idea that all these things, again, just so happen as not even as intended, just so happen to coincide at this point, and then this occurs. And there's always been in sort of folklore of this idea of mirrors, breaking a mirror is seven years bad luck. Mm. You know, looking into a, your reflection shows you your true self or whatever that may be. And yeah, so it talks about like here, sort of like effect a trigger effects here, you know, shattering a mirror, not not great thing. Uh using any teleportation magic. So if you're going to somewhere and it just happens to go wrong, you may end up here. Um, you know illusions appears very big on illusions in this mirror one because uh quite a few of these actually obviously you look in the mirror and a duplicate appears and tries to come out and attack you mm, which is what the image is the, the image is fantastic is of the barber shop where somebody's cutting someone's hair and the barber in the mirror has a knife and the person having its hair cut is like jumping out of the mirror and trying to attack and mm-hmm. oh it's absolutely terrifying like yeah What's interesting about this, so it talks about it, I can't find the actual effect just now, but it talks about these creatures, then they come out of the mirror, they are 2D, so they can't, mm-hmm. net, you can definitely tell what you know what they are, but there are definitely other ones where a duplicate appears, and the duplicate, you know, it looks exactly the same, and must immediately attack this other creature, seeking to slay it. So that idea is that there can be only one, and you're fighting between you and yourself, and oh, I like anything like that, that idea of like having counterpart reflections, which are, in fact, evil. There's definitely been stuff like, um, if you remember, oh, what's it called now? Um, are you alone in the dark? That sort of thing where you, you, your souls would get swapped with someone else with your mirror image, perhaps. And you could only tell because they happened to be reversed in some way. Like they would be called your, your name, but in reverse and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, other things that come up like shattered reflections. So you, it's almost like a, a blink spell in a way that you just appear in and out of focus for a minute. Um, mm. Don't cast reflections. That's horrifying. I think just not being able to 
see yourself because I guess yeah. we're all very vain creatures in, in general and always looking at ourselves but not being able to see ourselves seems very I don't know very weird, weird about very it. weird I like the one where if you see your own reflection the reflection comes to life and then engages you in conversation oh yeah which you can actually cast the divination spell with effectively as they seem to know loads of stuff and you're like that's really cool that's really weird mm. I, I love that I love that as an idea mm-hmm. the only one I was a bit I thought was quite I mean it's because um, the way my mind works I guess uh, the skin of a random creature becomes reflective but I love the idea it's definitely mirrorball so you're like do, 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 do. <laughs> you're like drawing a lot of attention to you um, exactly yeah. don't cast a light spell because you will reflect ah. in all fabulously and that's all that's all absolutely wonderful i could but mirrors and i could just see that being an absolute i mean some of these things are just really random and funny and others mm. are just like horrifying so you get a real blend of, it's a nice balance isn't it yeah yeah different effects on that one and something i never would have thought about as well now the artwork of the next the sixth effect is amazing and I just, I just love it entirely. How would you describe this one? Uh, well, I knew this one would be up your street when I looked at it. So essentially it is called the psychic resonance uh, region where essentially things awaken that would not normally have intelligence. So we're talking animals. So in this picture, obviously we've got a bear, your favorite creature, uh, mm-hmm. talking to an owl, an owl, a hawk of some sort, and mm-hmm. the energy of the trees and stuff like that. And it's almost like glyphs on their fur, eyes bright green. So you can tell there is something else affecting these creatures. And that it just says that they converse after having, after gaining sapience from uh, ambient psychic energy. So yes, this mm-hmm. idea that magic is opposing strange effects on creatures and objects. And it sort of stems from strong emotions combined with magic use or from the presence of uh, psionic creatures. So that sort of telepathy and stuff. And just being able to give intelligence to creatures for, it, it's like one of them is like, you know, for an hour or two that they, they, they can understand stuff and they say, but then it fades away and maybe their lives haven't been changed in some way, which I thought was quite sad. It's very much what I I imagined it like anything psionic, so anything like to do with the mind, so mind blasting, uh, telepathy, uh, headaches and nosebleeds was one of them. So I was feeling very stranger things like you do something, you exert yourself and then you obviously are, uh, you know, gaining that back in some way. And yeah, just anything like lurking fears was the other one that really stood out to me in this effects table, like that your fears become nightmares and it just comes into fruition because, and everyone can see it because everything is amplified by this sort of region or this sort of area. And ah, yeah, it's, it's very different. I think, um, again, I think with all of these, uh, these areas, I can't imagine you doing it for the whole campaign. I like little, like a couple of sessions or two, just to dip yeah. in and out so that you get the full effect of it. Yeah. I think that there is a, a real risk of table overload and, you know, having too many things to think about as a DM. You've, mm-hmm. All of these effects add layer upon layer of different rules to things that you're having to think about already, such as what the animals are doing, what the creatures are doing, what the party's doing, mm-hmm. and having to worry about beasts that actually can speak with each other and have intelligence mm-hmm. is just, another thing to think about on top of mm. everything else so yeah you're right i think all of these things come uh, being unexpected is a good thing being um limited in scope is a good thing mm-hmm. it, it's context isn't it it absolutely mm. is context i mean there are some absolutely random and amazing things but a lot of just like straight damaging things actually things mm. that deal psychic damage and actually seem to 
then creates a bit of a chain reaction. Like the one that gives telepathy to all the party. And then there is obviously the thing that says, if you experience telepathic communication, you set off another resonance. So this one has the potential to become quite a chain reaction. Like mm-hmm. I could see giving telepathic communication to a party and then them not realizing until it's too late, they keep setting these effects off. And they're mm-hmm. just like, oh God, it's just a session where loads and loads of stuff is happening. It's like, no, no, you were doing that stuff quite deliberately if that's um and just just to end on yeah because i think for me reading this talking about like awaken things you instantly think of creatures or animals and stuff but there's a little box that says awaken anything and the similar examples it gives about like um what could be awakened so clouds that speak their mind and i love that as a cloud just comes in and goes oh you're not doing very well are you and then just moving on in the wind but what's very important and kind of what you said that not every chatty rock needs a stat block uh, which is a great right. thing and just being able to like how would you you know what would you create these things and just saying like using spells like animate objects awaken speak with animals provide guidance on how to bring these creatures to life so you don't have to think of every single thing but be open to being like it could just be an object it could yeah. be your bag of holding it could be you know all these things not just animals oh, god man i love a bit more yeah i'm not quite full <laughs> give it to me mm. more 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 i'm hungry, <laughs> hungry. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> We're finally to our last one, which again, it is now, whereas psychic resonance was sort of a creative force in a lot of ways, this one definitely is the opposite. Um, How would you describe the last force in the book? So compared to the other six, uh, which have sort of had something impacted on them, so they were already sort of as nature intended, like they were fine, and then something has happened to the land. I feel like this one, so Unraveling Magic, was already a magical, rich area of some sort but the source of this magic has been damaged or corrupted in some way and as a result uh, there are unpredictable and strange results when people cast a spell and interestingly enough obviously we have in our campaign dealt with one such island which was i thought it was great because i didn't have to cast any spells but the two people that did I think they they had to plan every single session as a result because yeah mm. essentially any spell above a first level slot or higher will have an effect that goes off. It was it's a little bit different to the one you implemented in. I think I think it was an, yeah, was it an older mine, one. Mine was a it was a much yeah. This was before the book was released actually, and it was more of an effect that was if you cast a spell, you have a percentage chance of something going wrong, and it was more of a chance for more powerful the spell. So you had this sort of like you were disturbing things around you, but. Yeah, no, it was it, it was a, an idea. But I, when I saw this, I did think of that idea and I was like, oh God, someone's actually written loads of rules that actually make this a lot more fun and a lot more interesting. But but going back to it, so yes, this idea that you have to roll, uh, was it uh, above your percentage and then for it to go off, uh, which makes sense. So obviously the higher you roll, the less chance you are to succeed. But I think that was quite good because then obviously that left with, with the players to do it rather than yourself. Whereas here you have a lot more environmental stuff. So for example, there's stuff like um, a dead magic zone or all magic items in the region lose their properties for an hour, which I think is great because then you're like, what are you without your magical items? Yeah. Uh, so I think I think there's definitely there's definitely stuff for it, but I think, I mean, I don't know. I say this as someone who didn't have to do any rolling for magical stuff. Um, so I, I think your way was, I think it was easy enough for the players to do, whereas this is definitely more on the DM to come up with some more interesting things and different environmental mm. stuff, perhaps, per Absolutely. turn. Absolutely. Was was any of the unraveling magic anything you you quite liked? I mean, I, I just I love that the simple or martial weapons in the region that are non magical crackle with power. So all of mm. your regular weapons become really powerful. I love that as an idea. Just taking really low level characters and saying, "Oh yeah, your dagger is now a magic item." Hooray! Mm. Hooray! Um, 
Uh, lightning marks connecting people. That's oh, another one that's yeah. quite horrible. Yeah. Um, for me, I guess it was, what was the one I wrote down? Each creature in a region suddenly learns some magic. So you gain a one wizard cantrip of your character's choice and know the cantrip for 1d8 days. So again, if it, it allows people to have that a uh, little bit of magic if you're not playing a magic user per se, or, ha- or have something, but it's a cantrip, so you can always use it without uh, this, the effect going off. And that makes sense in terms of this region per se. But yeah, there's a lot to it. And going through all these regions, uh, it it differs and shifts between, say, about 13 effects, I think, for the Blessed of Radiance, and up to 20 in some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's just because of the stereotypes of stuff. So like haunted places or infected places or bad and evil there or there's more tropes to it compared to say good places or places of magic so it's yeah. there's neutral, a lot neutral is, is a really interesting concept we've said this many many times but neutral is like stuff is happening without really an agenda or maybe an agenda that's beyond the petty goodness of you know what's going on and, mm-hmm. and yeah you're right i think sometimes you can get shoehorned a little bit into stuff that is too tropey or too predictable, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Unraveling Magic's a fantastic set of things, for instance, that is just really random stuff and it's not really evil or good. It just is, and you have to deal with it or suffer the consequences, really. I was yeah. going to say, I've, I've, actually, I've actually found it. That's the one. It's like one random creature in the region, so not necessarily your party, can suddenly cast the wish spell once within the next minute. And yeah. like, oh, the wish spell. I'm sure we'll have to do a whole episode about... How does how does one do the wish spell and how do we do it <laughs> so it's chaotic but also fun yeah. and all that sort of thing. So yeah. That, oh. is, that is a session in itself. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Wonderful. But hey, that, that that gives some fantastic ideas for DMs to go through regional effects that you can turn a map on its head, you can mm. change things in a campaign based on what the players are doing. There are some fantastic things here. Absolutely. Um, Fee, what are you up to? How are things going? How are things going? As you know, Ryan, things are going very well. Um, wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Uh, my name is Fiona. I run the What Am I Rolling podcast, which is a twice monthly RPG one shot podcast. Uh, we play lots of different systems. Uh, we've got uh, Warhammer coming up at some point. Uh, so that was really fun. Uh, we've got uh, we've got plans to do something in the Cypher system, which is essentially a, a, a system settingless, oh no, a campaign settingless you know, system uh, where you could put it anywhere. And we've got someone coming in who's going to do something, I think it's like sci fi, but based in Manchester, which will wow. be fun. Yeah, looking forward to that. That'll be awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I'm really looking forward to that. That'll be yeah. fantastic to have a look at. And, and yeah, and other than that, obviously, I always have to mention it because I forget. Otherwise, uh, we've got an offer code at Third Space Gaming, which is a your friendly local game store in Burnley. Uh, it's Burnley. A D- Burnley. Uh, DMBC for 10% off your first order online. And that could be for anything you want. If it's RPG books, if it's minis. Uh, I know for a fact that our, our other co-host or guest co-host, Sam, has bought some Mimic minis from their site, which mm. uh, there's not just the chest. You can have one that's a barrel, which has like its eye on the, on the barrel and stuff so that's pretty cool uh you can also get terrain from there if you're that sort of person that is into like wargaming and likes making the minis but currently can't meet with people to do so um so yeah all those sort of things but ryan what what about you what what have you been up to oh it's been fantastic actually you should come and uh come along to ursa ryan the youtube channel because i've been doing lots of cool things recently with some other um youtubers so come and have a look and if you're not a huge gamer you can watch some stuff that's more of an interview style. So that'll be quite good fun. Um, but yeah, otherwise come to be us around Discord. Come talk to me about D&D. It's very good fun. But until then, thank you very much for listening, everybody. And we'll catch you next time when we talk about inevitably the wish spell. Oh, See no. You- <laughs>
Bye. Bye.